There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for yet another week. Uh, with yet another fantastic guest. I'm very excited today to be talking to Sandeep Chenakeshu. And uh, we're going to be talking about his fantastic um, book, Your Company is Your Castle. Uh, before we do that, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week, Simon Darcy. We talked we talked about, um, about, about culture, um, in particular about scaling without losing your soul, which was, um, which was a great interview and a great conversation. Um, uh, Simon and his organization do lots of cultural development work, um, as, as I do, actually. Um, but I really enjoyed um, reading about and uh, learning from their philosophy and the stages they go through with cultural transformation, because it is just so important when it comes to business success. And, and we're going to be talking to Sandeep, actually. We'll also touch on culture, too, because I know how important culture is to um, his experiences. Um, and so he will, I'm sure, um, take us uh, further around uh, around that discussion. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I actually love watching films about medieval times and kings and queens and castles. And uh, I, you know, I just really like this concept of your company being your castle. I've never heard anybody uh, actually talk about it uh, in that way before and I therefore when I, when I picked up and I heard about Sandeep I was really excited about interviewing him about his uh, about his new book and companies of course emerge from smart people with clever ideas uh, and as Sandeep says it takes a, syst a systematic approach to make a company sustainably successful now, Sandeep uh, Chenakeshu is the author of Your Company is Your Castle, and he compares building a company to that of a medieval castle that has withstood the test of time, having weathered nature's elements and hordes and hordes of invaders. Um, I don't know if you have uh, visited castles over here in the United Kingdom. We have we have quite a few of them. So it's uh, one of my little hobbies. And it's always fascinating uh, looking at how weathered they are and uh, looking at the uh, the bullet holes in them and um, and the forces that they've managed to withstand over many years. Now, Sandeep um, ties eight structural elements of such castles to um, eight essential elements that make a company thrive. Um, he's had two decades in corporate roles as CTO of Ericsson Mobile Phones and Sony Ericsson, president of Ericsson Mobile Phones, uh, platforms, sorry. SVP at Freescale, he's been the president of BlackBerry Technology Solutions, EVP of AMD. And today he's returned uh, to the consulting world, world and he also has um, a startup. Uh, he's currently COO at Under Inc., a pioneer in digital imaging radar. We'll find out a little bit about that in a moment. And he sits on um, advisory boards and exciting uh, tech startups. So let's have a chat today about um, companies uh, becoming sustainable and um, lasting the test of time. Um, so a big welcome to my guest, to Sandeep. 
How are you? Fine, Chris. Thank you very much for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Hey, Sandeep, where in the world are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. That's where I live. And I've lived here for 16 years. <laughs> Excellent. And that, that wasn't, um, you didn't start your life in Austin, Texas, did you? You've, uh, you've had quite an international an international life, um, working across various continents. And tell us a little bit about, you know, life for you growing up and how you came to be in the USA. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I was born uh, in India and uh, I lived there for a little over 23 years. Um, you know, it's interesting that for the first 16 years, I was very carefree. Thank God I had very indulgent parents. <laughs> they didn't insist that I had to study. <laughs> Play lots of cricket, squash, ping pong, table tennis. Uh, you know, I sailed, I ran on a relay team, I swam on a relay team. I did everything but study. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't get burnt out. But at about 16, I, I developed a, a love for mathematics. And that helped me get through engineering fairly easily. And, uh, and then I got into a really good school in India, the Indian Institute of Science, which had, which picks 15 kids every year to go through a management program. A wonderful experience. We did 17 courses and a thesis in one year. It's got a little bit of a brain damage course. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but at the end of that, I felt I needed to go back and learn more about engineering. So I applied for a fellowship and got accepted in Canada uh, to do my master's. And then one winter, sitting in Saskatchewan, a uh, very cold winter, I was reading about mobile phones. It was way back in 83, 84, and I said, wow, this is going to be the future. And I'd love to be part of building such a system. And I went to my professor who said, sorry, I can't supervise you in this area. Why don't you apply to America? And I did, and I got another fellowship. Uh, and I came to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, where there was a big program uh, funded by the, uh, you know, very well funded. And so I started doing my PhD. Mm. And after I finished my PhD, obviously, you know, mobile phones started taking off and there were very few experts in the world. So I was fortunate. And I got a really good job at GE Corporate Research. A few years later, Ericsson bought out my group and we became Ericsson Research. And then I've spent the last 35 years uh, doing mobile phones, semiconductors, software, uh, across various, various companies and continents. Uh, I never applied for a job. Somebody always picked me. And uh, I was fortunate to be entrusted with uh, fixing, either launching brand new products around the world or fixing companies that were given up for, uh, I wouldn't use the word dead, but they were on the brink. And somebody said, hey, why don't you go and turn it around? And I was fortunate to do so. So you that's my story. You make, you make it sound um, it, you know, quite almost quite serendipitous rather than it being planned. Did you, did you ever have, have a vision um, for the uh, way you wanted to ultimately end up or has it just materialized one one step at a time your su success actually it is a little serendipitous because um i never planned anything uh what i did do regularly 
was to grab any opportunity that came my way. And I also regularly wanted to test myself by moving out of my comfort zone and doing something brand new. And because the only way you can find out about your limit is to stretch yourself. Uh, an old mentor of mine taught me, um, he said, when you build, when you forge steel, uh, you have to repeatedly heat it, beat it and cool it. Mm. And I took that as, a, <laughs> as yeah. maybe that's what I've got to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it and absolutely. I, I actually was uh, I was born in a steel town, and my grandfather was a steel worker, and so was my father. And uh, I remember it was going in and seeing people forging steel, beating it, cooling it, and the the noise, etc., and uh, the uh, the safe health and safety standards and things that uh, put me off ever wanting to do it. <laughs> That's right. OSHA, OSHA was not around at that time, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I th yeah, you're, you're right. So there's a, a lovely, you may have seen this before, there's a statue that I, I kind of, uh, and it's kind of a concept, really, the self-made man, which I really like. I don't know if you've seen that statue of a, um, of a man um, with, a, with an amazing physique, but actually sculpturing himself out of a piece of stone. And I guess that's a similar sort of concept, really. I think so. I don't think I've seen that particular statue. Where is it, Chris? If you, if you just Google it online, you'll see there's various um, there's various other iterations that people have um, created. I have a funny feeling there might have be been one version of it in the White House, a, a, a funny feeling that I'd read mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, but there was a, a famous um, sculpture who did uh, make quite a few of them. I actually contacted once and, and asked if I could use the image and had a bit of an online dialogue with her. Um, but it's a, it's a lovely... A lovely concept and so i wonder now you know look you've had a significant corporate career i mean what in that career have you been most proud of um what's uh what, what sticks in your mind yeah i think uh what i'm most proud of is uh the teams that i have been able to build hmm. uh who in turn were able to deliver groundbreaking or trailblazing prod products around the world, first of its kind, and uh, both in wireless semiconductors and in software and cars, and uh, used by billions. Um, and also the same teams helped me transform broken companies from bleeding cash to being extremely successful and having very good exits. I think that is what stays in my mind. It's all about the people. Yeah. And that is why I dedicated the book to the people I worked with. Yeah, I, I love that because sometimes um, I've, I've found sometimes, and, and this clearly doesn't apply to you, but quite detailed technical people, sometimes they focus very much on the sort of system and 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 the, and the task and uh, I'm, I'm like you i believe that people are everything really you know without the people we're, we're businesses are there to serve people they're there to employ people um and it's it's people who uh drive the development of them and and no one ever achieved anything on of great significance on their own and the teams and people are just so important um so it's it's, it's great hearing you um absolutely you know believing in that premise really yeah, I agree. 
And what would you um what would you say to your uh, what would you say to your younger self now if you were to give them some advice on starting out? Somebody who's starting out in business. So we sometimes get some uh, you know young people uh, are listening to this program as well. That there are maybe maybe students going into uh, into the workplace. And uh, what would you have said to your younger self? Yeah, you know every every person's journey is a personal journey mm. and everyone's goal is different so it's i don't think i can generalize but in my case i started off as being deeply technical at least that is what my managers thought and that's why they promoted me they thought i was technically and operationally competent mm. and they entrusted me more and more with responsibilities that were much more business related general management managing cash growing cash etc and if i had to basically tell myself i would have said you know uh go back in time and learn about running a business you can't learn about running a business till you're in it you know i love cricket more than any game i've played and i said no amount of practice in the nets means anything you you don't become a really good player right you become a really good player in a real match against a formidable opponent the ball is coming at you at 80 miles an hour and uh, you know in the days i played we didn't have helmets and ipads and things like that and uh, then it comes down to three things your talent obviously your technique which you've learned yeah and practiced and your temperament yeah and the thing that you cannot really develop uh in any coaching class is the temperament yeah. that is what is forged when you're actually in the business encountering difficult problems thinking on your feet and trying to find out uh you know how are you going to solve it yeah brilliant we've got um, we've got 3 minutes till commercial break so i'm just be interested in maybe you just sharing us with from your perspectives the the main premise of uh, your company is your castle and and what in, and what inspired you to write it so you know i've always wanted to write a book but for 30 years 35 years or so uh i didn't have the time my wife jokes that i have only one gear and you know i was <laughs> <laughs> and um, so a number of my friends told me they said something you've been through this very interesting experience of launching trailblazing products turning around companies mentoring people who become ceos of major companies why don't you chronicle all of this in a book what was your framework what was your formula because we who worked with you have seen you four times do the same thing with exactly the same formula so obviously it works and it works in different countries so why don't you write the book and that is why i actually decided to spend time and it took me 3 years uh i literally jotted down how many hours i spent on it i spent 2500 hours right. and so <laughs> it was that's the main reason i wrote the book so that i hopefully others aspiring minds can learn from my experience and build on them hmm hmm how was this concept of castles was it is, is a castle something that you're interested in or was it just did it become a no actually i started off my principle started off with a house and i found that a house won't last long so i started researching what's a better uh graphic 
or um, you know metaphor, extended metaphor or analogy that I could rely on. And then I stumbled upon uh, the castle aided by many friends who told me that's a good analogy. So I started researching them and I said, wow, there are all these things about castles I did not know. And they seem much more relevant to building a business. And then I started stitching together each piece of a castle uh, with an element of a business to build this uh, analogy. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, well on, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break now. We'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. And what we'll start to do after the break is we'll start to um, understand what um, some of the components of this castle are and uh, some of the things that we need to really consider when we are um, developing a sustainable business. And we should also have a little chat about uh, under as well, just to understand what you're doing doing there, Sandeep. So we're back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Sandeep uh, Chenakeshu, and we're talking about um, about his book about um, 
uh, the concept of uh, sustainable businesses and uh, and the and the castle. Before we do that, Sandy, just tell us a little bit about the the company that you formed. Um, you just explained to me that you you spend. 14, 15 hours a day working on your consultancy business and the weekend on the uh, on the other business. I'm intrigued about how you, um, you know, how you managed to make that work too. Um, Cause that's a huge, huge amount of commitment. Yeah, thanks Chris. So I didn't start the company. I, uh, this company is a very, it builds what we call digital imaging radar. So these, you know, you have, we have a chip that is about the size of your thumbnail yeah. That's the most powerful radar chip on the market today. Uh, most others who want to compete with us have five chips. We do it with one. So it's very small and compact and very powerful. And uh, in 2016, I was sent by the investors to go evaluate this company. And that's how I got associated with them. And I went to the investors and told them that this is a brilliant company. And uh, But I said, look, they're not going to have a product before 2022. And the investors laughed at me and said, Sandeep, that's, that's going to take a lot of money. So let's pass. But I continued to be associated with them, introducing them to the other investors and promoting them. And so they invited me to be on their advisory board. And then a few years later, they called me and said, hey, now it's time to scale. And we, don't, we want someone with your experience. So I came in as the chief operating officer and today I run both engineering, operations, quality, reliability, manufacturing, almost everything except sales. And, uh, uh, you know, my job is to make sure that the chip can be produced on an automated production line in very large quantities right. and has the quality to be included in a car which means that you have to pass a number of certifications that are very rigorous. It, you have to undergo a lot of very detailed testing and create sufficient documentation and evidence that you've done things the right way. So, uh, and that's a heavy lift. And so we are aiming to be the first startup of, of its kind in this space to be completely automotively, automotive qualified uh, in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So it is a lot of work. I have brilliant engineers and uh, love working with them every day. And so that keeps me busy for 14, 15 hours a day. And then on the weekends, I can focus on consulting and book writing and other yeah. things. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, yeah, ch chips have been um, quite, uh, you know, quite you know, in the, in the news, haven't they, over particularly around the pandemic as well, and the shortage of chips, and is, is that uh, is is the supply of them becoming? Um, yeah, I think easing uh, now, and yeah, it's it is easing, but I think part of the problem was that uh, th when the customers they didn't place forecasts in time. In my view, right. capacity of chips is limited and it gets signed up and uh, so you if you want your allocation you need to forecast properly ahead of time mm. now in my own business all through the pandemic when there were shortages uh, our customer told us that we were the only company and we were a small company that we never shorted a single customer because it's all about planning so i actually bought chips for a whole year before it's time right 
hoping, you know, that's how you basically build stock to make sure that, you know, when you're a small company, you don't have leverage. Uh, and so you have to basically plan ahead. It all comes down to planning. Yeah. Yeah. I used to run uh, some large um, that, uh, well, ing ingredients buying um, sort of teams for 15 factories. So I, I, I appreciate uh, the forecasting and the importance of having ingredients uh, available when you need them and, and utilities agreements and things like that. You've got to think ahead, haven't you? And, and plan and forecast carefully. That's, That's great. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, so the first foundation of the castle is financial fitness. Uh, and I was kind of intriguing, you know, do you, do you embark on the journey of building a castle if, you're, if your finances aren't fit? Well, in every business, cash is like, it's, is like the, is the lifeblood of the system. Yeah. It's like oxygen. You know, your bloodstream in the human body carries oxygen to the various organs. Without oxygen, you cannot function. Cash is the same way. But established companies have to keep generating cash. Uh, otherwise, they won't survive long. But if you take a startup, it's a little different. It's Of course, you don't start off with cash. You have to go raise money. But it's how you spend it mm. and how you meet your commitments that matters. Because when somebody entrusts you with money, right? Yes, you embark on your journey being armed with that cash. But how you spend it in order to hit the goals uh, is what matters. Because if you are spending the money and frittering it away without hitting your commit, without hitting your commitments, your investors won't invest in you very long. So. The key is repaying the faith that you pay, uh, you that they have invested in you with the reliability that you will deliver to those commitments that matters. Mm. And uh, you have to be very prudent and scrutinize. And I find a lot of startups don't do that. And uh, there's an interesting statistic, two thirds of all companies started fail within 10 years. And the largest reason or the biggest reason that they fail, 82% of them fail because they run out of cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's right. It's essential. So how do you, how do you um, build a business model that generates lots of cash? So, you know, the business model is like the unassailable strategic location of a castle. Okay, that's very important. When you build a castle, they always picked very strategic and unassailable positions. Yeah. Likewise, a business model needs to be sticky. Uh, and what is stickiness? Uh, stickiness in my definition is the ability to be relevant to your customer and your customer wanting to stay with you. Yeah in the face of having very strong competition. So the example I give is to say, imagine building a skyscraper, you're the foundation. You are the foundation upon which your customer needs to build a skyscraper of invested value. If they have invested on that foundation, they're not unlikely to basically remove the foundation because the skyscraper comes tumbling down. So you have to make sure that you are very relevant. You're building things that your customer wants and continues to value in the face of competition. Yeah. 
And that is the key to building a sustainable business model. Right. Okay. So we need and, to, so, yeah. Now, there are a couple of examples I give in the book. I mean, two striking examples are, one is, look at the modern smartphone. You know, both uh, Apple and Samsung mm. have created, and Xiaomi in, uh, in China, have created ecosystems around them where they have a very loyal base. And if you look at, there's a metric, consumers use a metric called net promoter score. Yeah. And the score works like this. You got, um, there's a score of the top two numbers, there's a score of one to 10. And uh, if you get the top two numbers, then you are, pro you are a, a proponent. Uh, then there are middle two numbers nobody cares about, and then the bottom numbers are detractors. And they calculate a score based on this. And the key is, um, if you get a score above 60, <laughs> you're doing very well. And uh, you know both these products, the Samsung Galaxies as well as the Apple iPhone, have a very high score, okay? Uh, which means customers really care about it and they want it. Yeah. Uh, similarly, you know, large cloud businesses, you know, if you take uh, Azure, um, which is Microsoft's cloud business or Amazon Web Services, or you take Google Cloud, when customers go and build systems on those cloud systems, so these, these companies offer platforms on which you can build applications. And this is called platform as a service or PAAS. So when you build an application on it uh, and you distribute it to a large number of customers, it's highly unlikely you're going to switch your platform after you've deployed it to thousands of customers and it works. That's a very sticky business. And then you start paying these guys every month. So you've, they've created a value, you've exploited it to create even more value, you've generated that for your customers. Now it's difficult to get away. And, uh, and so I think that's the essence of making a sticky business, how valuable it is to your customers. Yeah, it's been very interesting because I'm, I'm old enough to just about remember the, uh, the mobile phones as being the big, the big block that people, people held, the big brick. Uh, and I remember my first ever job um, after graduating in the motor industry, and and I think my my job was to um, look at uh, one one job was to look at car kits and and mobile phones for for trucks and and vehicles. But it was Mo it was Motorola in those days that were was a really big name. But it's been interesting how the names have shifted, hasn't it? Because and you talk about in your books, you know, and um, there was uh, you know Ericsson and. Uh, uh, and uh, Nokia became very popular, and today Samsung and Apple, and that's uh, it's it's like the, the the stickiness, I guess, has shifted. That's correct. That's correct because initially it was all about technology, and then technology became a commodity in a sense. Yeah, a few suppliers basically providing the technology, and then it became much more about brand applications, industrial design, and supply chain, and. Uh, so as this, as the trends morphed, and uh, certain companies fell away, fell aside, fell aside because they didn't really focus on those things, yeah. and they continued to do what they were doing, and uh, they never evolved. Yeah. Yes. I remember having a team in 
in Finland and uh, and it, you know go there. It was Nokia. The first thing you saw when you you, you went into the airport. I was so proud of Nokia. It was yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I talk about I talk about these stories and why you know some of these things happened. And so uh, it's a very interesting transformation. Um, and this is not the only industry. There are other industries like the TV industry. Yeah, you know the watch industry. There's a lot of industries where uh, trends have changed. And those who didn't keep up, yeah, fell to the wayside. Yeah, so we need so we need to be prudent with our with our uh, finances, and we need to develop um, sticky, you know, products that are, are sticky when it comes to cash flow. How about strategy? Because that was your third. What what's important about strategy when it comes to and, and developing it? Yeah, I um, I have coined a phrase on the way I develop strategies called ORCA, like the killer whale. Yeah. O stands for opportunity. Yeah. R stands for relevance. Actually, it's product relevance to the market. And yeah. CA stands for capability. Yeah. So the first thing you have to do when building a strategy is does your strategy address a large enough market opportunity? The example I give is when you go fishing, you want to fish for you don't want to fish in an area where there are only minnows. You want to go to somewhere there that there's a trophy bass. Or, yeah. And so you want to catch something big. And you also want to basically fish in an area where there's a lot of fish and you're the only person fishing. You don't want to go to a place where there are few fish and there are lots of people fishing. Mm. So identifying those opportunities is not, is very key. The second, and I've given examples in the book how you can do that. The second is product relevance. <clears throat> so are your products relevant to the market? The three things that you look for are, do your customers really need the product? Yeah. Okay, don't convince yourself that they need it. Yeah. Let them tell you that they need it. Yeah. Right. So the second part is, how are you gauging your competition? Don't underestimate your competition. Yeah. Right. And the third is what is your differentiation, your sustain, sustainable differentiation? Okay, in a way that's your stickiness. And the last part capability is, sure, you can define the best strategy, but are you capable of executing to it? Mm. Are you capable of putting enough wood behind the arrow? Yeah. You know, uh, an arrowhead doesn't travel very far if it doesn't have enough wood in the arrow, it doesn't have fletchings at its base, and you don't have sufficient force uh, from the string on the bow. And secondly, what is your timing? Many businesses are either ahead of the time or too late. Yeah, Timing is everything. Yeah. It's like a train coming to a station which will never come back. You're either on the station platform to get on the train or you're done. Yeah. So these are the things that I look at when formulating a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Makes enormous amount of sense. And you're right. Timing is timing is everything. Because sometimes you see, you see people getting in first, but they're almost in too early, and it's just a right kind of right time to hit a wave, I guess, and be be ready for it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like a good surfer who knows yeah. how to judge which wave to catch and ride that 
wave all the way to sh- the shore. Otherwise, yeah. rushed. <laughs> <laughs> and how how much how much is that comes down to good planning, and how much comes down to luck? I think a lot of it can be avoided. I mean, luck is it's random. You know, you cannot predict those things. But I think you can with a lot of planning. I've been able to actually uh, generate a s- serious amount of success by just planning and executing. It's not just planning, it's also the execution. Yeah. Otherwise, if you get that wrong, it all the planning goes to waste. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about, after the break, we'll talk uh, about a bit, a bit about culture, a bit about more about execution, uh, and I'd also love to talk about uh, in in Sandeep's book, towards the end of the book, he talks about seven beliefs that he would recommend that people hold on to and take with them during their career journey. So I think that would be really helpful to, to look at that too. So uh, do join us in just a couple of minutes after the break. the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. It's Chris Cooper and with uh, Sandeep Chenakeshu, and we're talking about uh, about um, y- y- your business is your castle. Uh, and Sandeep, um, any thoughts on 
culture. You talked earlier about um, you know people being so important. We talked um, we talked money and we talked cash so far. Um, any thoughts on building a you know a strong will culture that uh, uh, enables this to this to happen? Because because it, it requires energy, doesn't it, to to um, build a a successful uh, business and keep it sustainable. Yeah, I agree because you know. <laughs> Many years ago, Peter Drucker said, when strategy and culture, no, he said, I think he said, sorry, I'm, I misspoke. I think he said that uh, strategy eats culture for breakfast. For breakfast, yeah. And uh, I've always maintained that strategy is what you want to get done. And culture yeah. is what you actually get done. Did he not so, say? Could he say? Did he not say? Culturate strategy for breakfast. Is that? Was it that way around? That's right. What I said. I said. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's a mistake. Yeah, culturate yeah. strategy for breakfast. Oh God! <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, I got it wrong. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, the uh, so if you don't get your culture right, it's highly unlikely that you will get your. Uh, uh, you know, you'll actually execute to your strategy uh, because culture is beliefs, behaviors, a value system that your company exhibits. It's largely driven by the employees, but it's also driven by what the leadership encourages and wants. So I always have tried to focus on two aspects. I call it raising the right army. Yeah. And the second part is leading that army. Yeah. And so there are some principles that I've used in order to build a culture. And the first one is to bring awareness. What do you want to get done? And you can only get that awareness through deep engagement and inclusion of your employees in executing to that vision. Yeah. The second is to set is what I call know your numbers. Have a few quantitative metrics that everyone rallies around and executes to. So you can see real material progress. Yes. The third is having roles and responsibilities. You want your team to play like a professional football or soccer team. You don't want them to be a kindergarten soccer team. Okay, so it's extremely important that people play positions and know their roles and responsibilities. Yeah. The next one is how do you uh, engender a sense of urgency? Yeah. And how do you build that with your team? How do you pick leaders that can drive that sense of urgency? The next one is actually building resourcefulness in the company. And I call that building the capability cube. Every year that cube must grow bigger and that cube has three dimensions. One dimension is competence, constantly growing your competence. That means the ability to do more difficult problems. Yeah. The second dimension is capacity. Can you do more work with the same number of people by just being smarter? Yeah. And the third dimension is clarity of thought and communication. So people yeah. don't waste time doing unnecessary things. Yes. yes. The next uh, principle I use is called prune the yellow leaves. 
You know, too often as leaders, we spend time on difficult people who won't get aligned. They're like the yellow leaves in a tree that sap the tree of energy. Yeah. After some time, don't try, just prune it. Yeah. Let the green leaves thrive. Yeah. The next, last one is, can we basically, uh, how do we reinforce and validate that our strategy is right? So when things are going right, you've got to give proof points and reward the people to reinforce the belief that they are exhibiting the right behaviors to achieve the goals. Okay. Now, on the, uh, on the, in the leadership aspect, you know, the leaders that I admired and I found who brought great change in companies, there were five things that I found unique about them. Mm. First is they had vision and they had vision with conviction because they were always faced with a group of a huge number of skeptics uh, who would tell them they would fail, but they uh, maintained their position. They believed in that paradigm shift and carried on through hail and hell water to, yeah. you know, succeed. The, uh, 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 the, uh, the second thing is I found most of these leaders had a lot of managerial courage, which means they actually made decisions based on not on what the merit of the argument, not who you knew. Yeah. And so they actually developed a meritocracy in the company. The third is uh, they led by example. The fourth is they were excellent communicators. Uh, they were not interested in being flattered for their speeches or being funny or smart. They wanted to basically get things done and drive a sense of purpose. Yeah. And so every meeting I had with them, I came away knowing what I had to do. Yeah. And the last is they all had the curiosity to evolve. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they knew that there would be a gorilla in the room to disrupt them. Mm -hmm. So these are the principles that I have used uh, to actually bring change in a corporation. And there are more details in my book. Yeah, I love those. That's, that's a really, really great and insightful list. And I think the thing I, one of the things I, I was going to pick out of that too is that urgency, that conviction, because... Uh, you know, it's easy to get. I do a lot of work with leaders and teams and cultures, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have that conviction and they don't have that urgency, and they they kind of come to work and uh, just do and be. Um, and it's not always something easy to teach. That it's to, to come in with that sense of purpose and that drive and that energy and that um, being on a mission. Um, uh, and to, to make make um, make it feel like a movement to to get to a you know somewhere uh, that's even more um, you know somewhere in the future that is really engaging because uh, I think quite a lot of leaders sometimes uh, act you know they, they're heading toward a vision but they've got an anchor chucked over the back of the back of a boat that's heading towards this sunset um, and so I love that uh, the sort of proactiveness that all of that suggests. Yeah, absolutely. You captured it very succinctly. Um, so tell me a little bit, um, what, you know, what you talk about execution. Actually, I just need to look for time because we've only got six minutes and about five minutes left. So what what's really important that we talk about right now um, for a successful castle and business that we've not discussed? Yeah, I think uh, 
you know, uh, there are things on product creation, product delivery and execution, but I think one of the things that is often forgotten is stakeholder confidence. Yeah. It's actually the roof on your castle. It's what protects you against arrows and, and harsh elements of nature. Yes. Uh, and the three stakeholders are your investors, your customers, and your employees. Yeah. Because your investors give you money to do good things. Without your employees, you cannot do good things. And without your customers, no one's paying you, so you continue to do good things. Yeah. So how do you establish the confidence of the stakeholder base? There are four things you focus on to establish this stakeholder confidence. I call it the triangle of trust. Yeah. And the first is the triangle being the three stakeholders. But the four things are, first is you have to be financially fit. We've already talked about that. If you bleed money, yeah. investors won't stay with you, customers won't stay with you, employees won't stay with you. Okay. The second is, are you going to deliver to the commitment and promises you made to each one of them? That's what builds trust. Yeah. Okay. The third is, are you innovative? Warren Buffett coined a term called the economic moat. It basically is the distance you place between yourself and your competitors. The wider the moat, the more difficult to breach your castle. Yeah. And that comes through innovation, constant innovation. It, innovation brings magic to the whole equation. And the, um, the last is engagement. You have to be very engaged with all three of these constituents so that you can build mutual reliance. Mm. And if you de do these four things, I found that there's a higher chance of you building that confidence and winning their trust to help you do better things. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I'm notice noticing, um, really, really happening in the mar marketplace is that actually many companies are, they're, they're holding their customers at arm's length with, you know, with, with menu, menu systems and uh, sometimes AI, AI now and finding a phone number that you can ring them. And it does feel like um, that actually there's a, as a, as a big moat um, I kind of sounding a moat between you and your competition, but there's a big moat between many organizations and, and their customer. Uh, and it becomes hard to develop a relationship with them. And um, when you're when you're struggling to access them, um, I mean, for me, I think that's a real, real problem. The human touch is disappearing. I agree. I agree. When you do it with an automated system, it's very impossible. Yeah. And there are uh, discussions you really can't have because it's it's a little awkward to basically ask a machine yes. if you're having a very serious problem. They, it gives you a lot of answers that it's been trained to give you, but there are many problems that it cannot solve, uh, which humans can solve. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, watch this space with uh, AI as it's developing. I guess. <laughs> Um, um, we've just got a um, really a, a minute before I need to wrap up, but um, uh, you, you know, any we, we we talked just briefly about beliefs that you'd recommend people take on on the career journey. Do you have maybe one or two that you would recommend, and then maybe a final message to end on? It's got about a minute, right? I think I'll very quickly run through them. I think uh, in on my journey, these are the seven elements I relied on. One, dream with conviction. Yeah. 
The second is get out of your comfort zone as often as you can. Number three, learn from uh, your successes and failures. Failures teach you more uh, than your successes in my view. Both are important. Uh, learn how to deal with adversity. Uh, never let it swallow you. And then the fourth one is to get, the fifth one is to get battle tested. And we talked about that too, how steel is forged. Mm. Uh, then be curious, learn something every day. Knowledge is powerful if used properly. And last, stay true to yourself. No one will believe in you more than yourself. So walk the talk and believe in yourself. And if there's one last thought I believe is, I've always told people that, hey, uh, do the things you like, work with the people you like, and always believe in the bright hope that the future brings. Wonderful. Great way to end, Sandy. Thank you. It's been been great. Really. Thank you, Chris. To you today. And uh, you can access Sandeep's um, book, um, Your Company is Your Castle, from um, from places like Amazon. You can connect with Sandeep um, on LinkedIn.com. Is that the best place to people to... Yeah, LinkedIn is good. I also have a website with my full yeah. name without space between and uh, .com. And uh, you can connect with me multiple ways. And that's uh, uh, Sandeep uh, Chanakeshu. Um C H E N A K E S H U. Um, so Sandy, been an absolute pleasure. Um, our next week's show, um, we've got we have Chad Barr, who's been on the show several times before, a couple of times before. He's brilliant digital marketer and strategist, and we're going to talk about how to use Chat GPT for life and career success, which is going to be really fascinating um, because the whole world seems to be talking about Chat GPT and. Uh, and AI these days. So do do join us. Do um, I think you're going to find that a really, really interesting, um, helpful conversation. I certainly have, having spoken to to Chad. So once again, thank you to Sandeep. Any questions, comments, send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, we can connect via LinkedIn with uh, Sandeep. Check out his website as well. Uh, and uh, everybody, look, just 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 take care out there. Um, learn as much as you can. Learn from the wisdom of uh, people like Sandeep uh, and these shows. Do go into the archive if you're wanting inspiration. I think there's 510 other hours of content in there with thought leads and experts from around the world. We all care about contributing to a better world through doing business in in better ways um, take care everybody and uh, have a great week we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.